0: You're
1: listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. So a little bit of a mishmash going on today. Obviously, we want to look at the Thursday night game. Um, I'm going to elaborate a little bit on some of the things I said yesterday. And then I think the meat of it today, what we should do is probably snap count day. Um, as far as big announcements go, very, very excited that the Iron Jock hoodies have come in. There is no, I you know... In my younger days, in my, uh, well, I don't want to make it sound like I'm a good entrepreneur because I'm not. I suck at it. I've made peace with that. I've decided that I'm somebody that has somewhat of an entrepreneurial spirit, but not an entrepreneurial instinct, which is a really miserable life to have. It's very similar to how I, you know, do my podcast and then I always forget to just hit publish. I feel like that's what God did with me when he made me an entrepreneur. He's like, I'm going to give you everything you need, all the passion, drive, and desire, Oops, forgot to make you good at it. But anyways, one of my many uh, faux pas was I found out that you could, like, buy liquidation type stuff. And you're buying stuff for dirt cheap because you're buying it in quantity. And a lot of it is shelf pulls, so in other words, the stores, you know, they'll either stop selling an item, so they got to pull it off a shelf, and then some stores, they actually just throw it in the garbage. Or other places, they sell them to these big auction houses for pennies on the dollar. Anyways, I bought a bunch of that. Now, I'm not saying it couldn't have been successful had I actually done the work, get an eBay account, sell things one by one, hustle it, whatever, but that was too much work. I decided I want to sell it all at once. So I just bought a... B- Bottom line is I got these big, giant shipments in. It was a very, very cool feeling that ended very, very poorly um, with me losing out on about $1,000, making no money, and my grandmother saying she, would, she was very close to kicking me out of her house this was a similar experience except just very awesome good folks over at iron jock sent over just a bunch of these iron jock hoodies that i'm going to be giving away to you fine folks i may be switching it up this week i'm not sure if i decide not to switch it up it's going to be the same thing pick the iron jock player of the game giving away two hoodies i will say though set aside one for myself and it's i was very nervous that it was going to be garbage it is not garbage and it's very similar to a, another advertiser that will remain unnamed because they are not a current advertiser. But it's one of those things where as soon as you touch it, it's like, yeah, this is just different, man. It's not, you know how there's always that joke about, you know, high-end clothing. It's basically garbage clothing just with a different tag on it. And legitimately, that's how it feels. Because I've had some nice clothes. And I'm sure there's something in there that's a little bit different. But at the end of the day, it just feels like a shirt. This is not that. Exact same experience where I touch it and I'm like, ooh. And it's not just like, ooh, it's soft. Because I get that like at Christmas every year. And I love it, by the way. Because I'm very weird about my shirts and how they feel. And about 60% of the shirts I have, I basically refuse to have them. And are, they're just in my closet in case of emergency, which unfortunately comes up a lot. Emergency being I didn't do laundry and I need a shirt. And dang it, I'm going to have to wear this dumb thing. So when I get a shirt that's comfortable, it's nice. But it, it's not just that. Does anybody, do you You know what I'm, forget it, it's fine. I'm just saying they're crazy, man. It's like soft, but it like feels different, and it's, I mean, I put a, a hoodie on yesterday, summertime, over my shirt, and it wasn't even hot, I just walked around the house, it was so like breathable, and soft, and I don't know, but I'm giving them away, I'm excited, I'm going to be shipping uh, two of these out, hopefully today, to our two winners for last week, and I couldn't be more excited. You have to make sure that you are, hey, 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 Spilling coffee on myself this morning. That's a first for the Packernet Podcast. I am glad that was lukewarm. Oh, feeling awake, though. Wow. Endorphins and whatnot. Man, i uh a little shame to say I'm happy that happened. Weird combination of, like, cold medicine, being up early, caffeine, and then just, like, a, a blast of adrenaline. I should bottle that up in a pill. What are we talking about right now? Oh, make sure you're in the Facebook group so that you can participate and or the Facebook page so you can participate in these giveaways um, because I got to get these things out of my house. I don't know if you know what it's like to have like $2,500 worth of merchandise sent to your house. It's a great feeling. It's probably the closest I'll ever come to a uh, rap video in my life, except maybe a couple nights in college. But yeah, you know what I got to do? I won't, but it's, it's one of those ideas where it's like I shouldn't tell anybody. And then just make a video and it'll be awesome. But at the same time, I know I'm never going to make the video and I'm the only one that would find it entertaining anyways. But like, just grabbing handfuls of these hoodies with like Biggie Smalls, give me the loot in the background. I don't know. Maybe I'll do it and I'll just watch it on loop. So anyways, I think we're going to go ahead and call that an ad spot. I don't know if that's allowed, but it's going to be. Because it is flip and come from a boom man i you know i mean i can read a script or i can just tell you this stuff is awesome you should probably check it out Um, but i also look forward to getting these sent out to you guys so that i can get um, hopefully a couple first-hand accounts from some listeners on on the legitimacy of it because it's always hard to take the word of a guy who's being told via a paycheck hey i want you to say that this is great it's like you know it's hard to get over that hump and actually convince you no dude seriously this is awesome anyways Um, I realized what it is that I'm going to do to give back to the Patreon community. Um, At the very least, here we go. Just off and running, aren't we, Mr. Phone? What I'm planning on doing, I did it once uh, for the Facebook group. I think what the plan will be is to do a live stream on Patreon. I've never done that before, but I kind of want that to be a thing for the uh, patrons. No tiered anything. If you give, you give. Unfortunately, it doesn't help the Venmo folks, and I'm sorry for that. I'll, you know... Keep trying to think of ways to help you guys, but uh, that is one added benefit of Patreon. I guess is that it's a place where when I give back, that's just where it goes. It goes on Patreon. But um, again, I know some of the time it just it doesn't matter. People just want to help out, but when so many people have been so helpful over the past few days, it's like I got to do something, man. But anyways, as always, forgetting where I left off, uh, the extra support from yesterday. Thank you very much to Benjamin Amell. Thank you to Cam Dorman, Frankie. Oh, here we go. Classic. Pay me to say your name. Vizcano. Frankie Vizcano. I feel like this should sound really Italian, and the way I'm saying it does not sound Italian. Maybe it's because his first name is Frankie. Viscano doesn't sound Italian to me. Probably just the way that I'm saying it. Nothing sounds Italian when I say it, but... Anyways, thank you very much to Frankie. And then another name that should be easy to pronounce, but I'm still going to mess it up. David Glaza? Glaza? Thank you very, very much for your support. You guys have been fantastic. And by my estimation, oh, man, my shoulder is jacked up. Newfound respect for Aaron Rodgers. Apparently, if I throw the ball a couple times to my son, uh, my shoulder has hurt for about over a month now, and it's it's getting worse. I don't know what the deal is. Any doctors in the house, I could use your help. Um, shoulder hurts, and I got third-degree burns on my belly button. So, And I need more coffee because I spilled my coffee. Anyways, now that we got all the important stuff out of the way, uh, why don't we start off by talking about the uh, injury report? Everybody's still hurt. End of the report. Now, the, uh, so Devontae did not practice, and Kenny didn't practice. They're the only guys that didn't practice, but it's obviously the most impactful guys. I'm still very optimistic about Devontae. However, it's a hamstring, similar to Kenny Clark with his groin injury. You just never really know. Now, the other fairly good thing in terms of when you look at let's say the saints injury report they had michael thomas and marcus davenport did not practice that's kind of the the trade-off i guess pretty similar trade-off actually michael thomas and Devontae very comparable and uh, i would even say marcus and kenny although slightly different positions pretty big impactful defensive lineman the difference being they also have chase hansen and trey hendrickson have not uh practiced but the other. uh the other big difference is I really do trust the Packers offense without DeVonte and we basically saw it last week. DeVonte, despite those couple clips of him really tearing up Okuda, he wasn't a major part of the offense before he went out. He didn't have a ton of carries and or a ton of targets. I'm not saying he necessarily did anything wrong, but the offense was sort of just humming along without him. And with the run game and with the offensive line playing shockingly probably better than it has in years maybe because of the competition level very possible but the offensive line is holding up fine getting josiah deguara back which even i'm a little surprised that it's it's probably as impactful as it is with his ability to block and as a receiver in that sort of special role in this matt lafleur system um you know aaron jones jamal williams a.j dillon mvs alan lazard and just seeing what a good job of play-calling Matt LaFleur is doing, it's it's not a great situation, especially in a game that's probably going to be pretty tough. I only say probably because I don't know the extent to which the Saints are struggling right now. There's there's a whole lot of chatter about the Saints not being a very good team, and, and as much as I respect the Raiders, the Saints obviously are a better football team. I mean, if we're looking at 2019 Saints compared to 2019 Raiders, they win nine times out of ten. Now, is this just one, that one out of ten game? Is this that Little Giants moment? It just takes one? Something like that. Is that their little slogan? I don't know. It's another movie that you add to the list of greatest all time that I refuse to watch because I don't want to tarnish my memory of a perfect movie. Watch it at 33 years old and all I'm going to think is this is a stupid movie. Why did I watch this? Although Al Bundy's in it, so can't be that bad. Slash Ed O'Neill, but I mean, his name is Al Bundy. So I guess what I'm saying is the only real negative here would be if they get their guys back and we don't get our guys back. Because I think in both cases, Packers win if it's equal. In other words, if Devontae is out and Kenny is out, maybe not Kenny quite as much. Although the Saints' ability to stop the run and, and play defense was pretty terrible. But I think if, if everything stayed the same, if, if their guys stayed out all week and our guys stayed up our, all, out all week, it's advantage Packers. I think if we get our guys back and they get their guys back, it's advantage Packers. Well, how does that make sense? Well, simple. I think we can operate without our guys, especially Devontae, better than the Saints can. But I also think Devonte is is a better wide receiver than Michael Thomas. So either way, I mean it, it's I'm not going to be happy and I'm definitely going to be nervous. But as long as things are equal, I like our chances. I'll I'll put it that way. Other guys on the injury report: uh, Montrevious was limited. Jair is still on here, but he was full participation. Josiah DeGuara was limited with an ankle injury. Uh, Corey Lindsley was a full participation, thankfully, because he's playing out of his mind. It's almost like the guy's in a contract year or something. Uh, Randy Ramsey was limited. Billy Turner, full participation. But that's it. That's all we're waiting on. Uh, Again, relatively optimistic, more so with Devontae than Kenny, but uh, we'll see what happens. Anyways, let's take a break and uh, start getting into the meat of this thing. All right, folks, it's time for your daily reminder. Your reminder not to miss out on the action at mybookie.ag. That Saints are three points over the Packers action. Or maybe the MMA, U.S. politics international hockey action whatever your thing is but whatever it is make sure that you're using promo code overtime when you make your new mybookie account because when you do that they're going to double up your first deposit you put down a 20 banger they're going to put down a 20 banger and then you got 40 little bangers to go out and bet on global warming or whatever i I really don't care whatever you want to bet on because it's your money now It was theirs, now it's yours, because you use promo code Overtime. And then when you're all done with that goodness, you're simply going to take a screen grab of your new account. You're going to shoot it over to Overtime at AdvertiseCast.com very, very, very quickly. Less than a week left. Just please set up the account. That's all you got to do. Set it up. Put down something. Set up the account. Send it to Overtime at AdvertiseCast.com. That's AdvertiseCast.com and you're going to be entered into a $500 giveaway. Please don't miss out on that. Check out mybookie.ag.
0: We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
1: All right, got to see if we even have time for snap counts. We'll save that for the end. Uh, first things first. I did have somebody reach out, Aaron, on Twitter. That's at Aaron underscore IRL and tell me about a website that I did know about, but forgot, and shame on me for not remembering what the name of it is, because it's completely intuitive. HeadCoachRanking.com Now, the problem I've always had with this site is, I have no idea if there's any value to this website whatsoever. When I talk about hard stats versus subjectivity, this is almost entirely subjectivity. You know, they're they're ranking things like play call which a lot of the time, I'm assuming, is going to come down to whether it was effective or not, which a lot of the time is not based on whether or not it was a good play call. And based on what fans say about whether or not it's a good play call or not, it's pretty useless. Now, sometimes you can say it's pretty obvious, but other times, probably not, and how do you... But the bottom line is, for those of you interested, there is a uh, website called headcoachranking.com. It's at least a decent place to start. I have no idea whether there's any value to this whatsoever. I really don't. But if you're interested, it's a thing. They don't have their 2020 rankings up yet, which is another not great thing for their site because it's your the entire purpose of your site. We're almost three weeks into this thing and you don't have 2020 up yet. But again, it exists. Check it out. The other thing I thought would be interesting is to kind of just look at the fraudulent teams of 2020 through two weeks. Now, it doesn't have a ton of uh, value at this point in time, but it is still interesting. All right, there are some teams that are overperforming and underperforming based on simply just looking at what are a team's record compared to where does PFF have them ranked. Most teams are kind of right where they need to be. The uh, Let's see, the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, the bottom eight teams in the NFL are 0-2. Top three teams are 2-0, top seven minus one. So anyways, pretty basic concept, and that's something we can track through uh, as time goes on, but... Teams that are somewhat fraudulent so far. And again, the, the question is, why are they fraudulent? And that's, I guess, for you to determine. I can give my two cents, but I'm I'm not a, uh, not a podcaster for these teams. But number one would be the Arizona Cardinals. They're 2-0. PFF has them ranked 24th. They're not really good at any one particular category. Now, this is what I've been talking about since last year. I'm not a believer in the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not a believer in Kyler Murray, and a lot of that comes from PFF. And I think a lot of people... Push back on that, largely because of fantasy football. No, I don't. I watched him. You watched him what? You mean you watched him run? Because he's graded out fantastic as a runner. And no question that's going to be hard to account for. But against San Francisco, that great win over the 49ers, he was 26 of 40. 230 yards, 5.8 yards per attempt, which is extremely low. 230 yards might be impressive to some people, but probably because you threw it 40 times. One touchdown, one interception. On the season so far, he is uh, 52 of 78, 516 yards, 6.6 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, two interceptions. This is, he's not proven to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. He is a subpar quarterback that happens to be really good at running the football, which helps bail out the team. Now, is it possible that Kyler Murray and what he's able to do with his legs is going to continue to inflate this in other words they're going to continue to win maybe it's a head coaching thing maybe they've got a great head coach i don't know hard to say but they are a 2-0 team that is ranked 24th overall and running is the only category in which they grade out pretty well probably because of their quarterback largely uh the other quote-unquote fraudulent team would be the las vegas raiders who are ranked 23rd and that should be relatively obvious they grade out fairly well um offensively overall uh their receiving grade is quite high defense is putrid now my thought on this has been the same as it was since last year i look at a team that has coached really really well i talked about last year how they're winning games that they shouldn't and they especially did it early and then fell apart late because they don't have the personnel i think john gruden in general is taking a bad team and causing them to overachieve and that's a good thing i think it's reason to be cautious about the raiders don't get over hyped about them because they're not grading out as a 2-0 and team Um, as we get sort of into uh, sort of what should be, I guess, one in one territory, we've got 20th overall are the New York Giants underperforming at 0-2, and that's not going to change as Saquon Barkley goes down, but one of the more impressive things has been Daniel Jones. Their passing grade is actually quite high. Daniel Jones is grading out really, really well. As far as these young guys that everybody's looking at, Haskins and Murray and all these guys, and nobody cares about Daniel Jones. As far as I can tell, Daniel Jones is the only one who's doing anything, um, as far as being a really impressive second- or third-year quarterback. Um, the Atlanta Falcons are underperforming. They're actually 16th, right in the middle. They're more of a one and one team. They end up falling 0-2. That's uh, it's pretty obvious. I mean, they are an underperforming team. That's what they are. I don't see that changing. I don't see their grade really dipping very much. When you have Calvin Ridley and, and Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and all the talent that you have... You're not going to be graded off very poorly, but you're also going to lose more games than you should because you're the Falcons and there's something fundamentally wrong with your team. Other overperforming teams, the Tennessee Titans, they are ranked 15th overall, they're 2 and to- 2 and 2, and then one that uh, I think is extremely important to pay attention to is the Kansas City Chiefs, currently ranked 14th. Everybody sees them as one of the best teams in football. They have one of the worst defenses in all of football, and their offense isn't actually graded all that highly. Through two weeks, Pat Mahomes is currently the 11th highest-graded quarterback in football. That doesn't mean it can't change, but I've talked repeatedly about how the Kansas City Chiefs are essentially a house of cards. There's not much there. You've got Tyreek, you've got Kelsey, you've got an okay offensive line, you've got an elite quarterback. It's similar to the Seattle Seahawks. They're never going to completely fall apart because they have Russell, similar to what we saw with the Packers for years. They got a lot of problems, but you know, Aaron Rodgers. If Pat Mahomes does not get better, this team is not going to be anywhere near the uh, conversation when you've got Baltimore rolling the the way that they are. I swear that thing goes off every 30 seconds. In my opinion right now, Baltimore is the clear favorite. That was passing grade, by the way. If you change it to overall offensive grade, uh, probably because of what he... I don't know why. He goes up to eighth. Excuse me, seventh. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Bottom line is it's not good enough. You can't have the worst defense in football, be the 11th best quarterback, and do what you do. And despite all the the highlight reels that come out every five seconds about a, a Pat Mahomes throw, the fact of the matter is, as we've seen, we have Aaron Rodgers highlights, we have uh, Russell Wilson highlights, we've got even Trubisky highlights, and Sam Darnold highlights. Everybody has that one throw where they're running and they throw off their back foot and they make a great throw. There's just a lot of quarterbacks that can do that. Kyler Murray can do it. It doesn't make him a good quarterback. Tom Brady's one of the few quarterbacks that can't do that. By the way, Tom Brady still wins, so there's more to football than scrambling and, you know, no look passes and all. I mean, he's. I feel like Pat Mahomes, if he continues to regress, and, you know, again, it's two weeks, he may just pop off and just go nuts and all this stuff. He's in Odell Beckham territory. He's the guy that has these really flashy catches that also happens to be really talented, that everybody says is a generational, he's the greatest ever. And he starts to regress, and nobody notices because he's Odell Beckham. He's the greatest. Did you see his, his warm-ups before uh, a game? Oh, my goodness, look at his warm-ups. Oh, my goodness, look at him in practice, not looking and throwing it to his left, and he completes it. Oh, my goodness. This isn't the Harlem Globetrotters, dude. But, yeah, anyways, PFF not all that impressed with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're, they're, a, they're a decent team, but this isn't good enough. Um, and then the only other team, really, that I guess you can throw in here would be the Indianapolis Colts are underperforming. They are currently graded as the fourth highest graded overall team in football. As I've said, they have a really, really good roster, but they've had a couple really questionable games. They did smoke the Minnesota Vikings, which is good offensively and defensively. They won pretty handily, um, but you look at that loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars and then the fact that they played the Vikings and it was kind of iffy for a while. It's You just don't feel good about the Colts, but the fact of the matter is... Things have remained the same. This is a really, really good roster, and I really don't have any reason to believe that the coaching staff or whatever is going to blow this. Still have some issues on defense, but everybody does. Their defense is graded 68th overall, which you would think is pretty terrible. Second highest graded defense in all of football. Now, for those that are wondering, that means that everybody in the NFC North is right about where they should be. The Packers are 2-0. They're the number one overall team in football. Now, they've gone up against two garbage teams, and that has an impact. The Bears are the fifth-highest-graded team in football. Well, they've gone up against two garbage teams, and that has an impact. We'll see how this goes. Again, we're doing this through two weeks. The Lions are 0-2. They're graded 27th overall. The Vikings are 0-2. They're graded as the 31st team in football. The only team that PFF says is worse right now is the Carolina Panthers. That's it. Minnesota right now is worse than the Jets, the Lions, the Dolphins. I mean, you name it imagine grading out worse than the Jets. That's unbelievable. Why is that the case? It's the defense. You know, this elite defense that's just the best ever and, and you know, nobody can stop it or whatever. Second worst defense in all of football. Just putrid. And the really negative thing here is that it's, it's so bad that Daniel Hunter doesn't fix it. It makes them better. But we're no longer in, I mean, even from my perspective, I would have said that this is at least a competent team, but it becomes a much more dangerous team with Daniel Hunter, and it certainly does. But th- b- you, there are bigger fundamental problems here when you've got Kirk Cousins playing this bad a game, and everybody has bad days. Aaron Rodgers had his, one of his worst games ever last year. He obviously bounced back. Kirk Cousins had a really, I think he had some of the worst games he ever played against the Packers last year. He obviously bounced back. I'm not saying he's not going to bounce back, but again, the point is, Daniel Hunter doesn't fix this. Daniil Hunter is not going to fix the fact that you're 27th in coverage. It might help a little bit if there's a little bit of pressure, but he's not going to fix that. You're 27th in pass rush. He'll bring you up a little bit. He doesn't solve the problem entirely. You're 31st in run defense. How is Daniel going to fix that? Actually, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do because I'm enjoying this so much. We're going to pivot a little bit. I completely lied. Um... I want to look at the NFC North through two weeks because I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying that. And there are some people, uh, like a couple Bears and whatnot, that need some respect. It's not just going to be a trash, the, uh, the NFC North segment. It's a uh, where-are-we-at segment. As of right now, looking at the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is by far the number one. He is 95.6 overall grade, one of the highest quarterback grades I've ever seen. He's absolutely lighting it up. And again, this isn't just because of bad teams. Aaron Rodgers has, be- has played bad teams. Aaron Rodgers last year against the New York Giants graded out 77.5 overall, right? That's what, that's what a quarterback that is pretty good, but not quite like this, does. Against Washington last year, not a good team. His grade was a 51.9 against Carolina, 72. Now, he did have a two-game stretch that was basically elite, That would have been against the Detroit Lions game uh, week six and the Las Vegas Raiders week seven. And then obviously it all kind of fell apart. So it's not impossible that he's just got a really hot start and it's all about to come crumbling down. But the point is you can't simply account for this based on how bad the defenses have been. He's gone up against bad defenses and has done not quite this. Philadelphia has terrible corners. He had a 74.8. Dallas didn't have the best corners in the world, 67.8. Kansas City has garbage corners, 65. Carolina, terrible corner, 72. So you you can't account for a 95 overall grade. All these stats, all these numbers, well, they don't have any corner. Okay, whatever. The next highest graded would be Mr. Mitchell Trubisky. Um, If we look at, for example, just completion percentages, uh, Mitch is the second highest, but it goes from 67.6 with Aaron Rodgers down to a 59.4. Cousins at 58 and Matt Stafford at 58. I just kind of told you the order, but there you go. It's Mitch Trubisky, then Kirk Cousins, and then a pretty big drop-off down to Matt Staff, all of which are 60 and above. But basically, you have Kirk Cousins playing well. I know he was terrible last week, but it balances out because week one against the Packers, he kind of tore it up. So we'll see what happens going forward. Mitch Trubisky has been um, good, not great for two straight weeks, so that's where he's at. And uh, Matt Stafford has been average and then terrible against the Packers, so it's been a really, really bad start. I can't say it's the worst start of his career but it, it, you know, if this grade holds, it'll be the worst year of his career, no question, which is coming off the best year of his career, so not great for Matty Stafford. Uh, if you look at yards per attempt, Mitch Trubisky is actually the lowest. We know he throws a lot of dink and dunkers, but uh, 8.2 for Aaron Rodgers, 7.3 for Cousins, 7.2 for Stafford, 6.8 for Trubisky. Touchdown, 6 for Rodgers, 5 for Mitch, uh, 3 for Stafford, only 2 for Kirk Cousins. Interceptions, Rodgers obviously 0. Mitch Trubisky 2, Matt Stafford 2, Kirk Cousins 4. So Cousins right now with a stat line of 2 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Well done, sir. Also important to note out uh, the sacks. Kirk Cousins has been sacked 5 times. Matt Stafford has been sacked 5 times. Mitch Trubisky has been sacked 5 times. Aaron Rodgers has been sacked once. If you look at drops, Mitch Trubisky has only had 2 drops. His wide receivers have been coming in clutch. Kirk Cousins has had 5, Aaron Rodgers 6, Matty Stafford 7 drops. NFL passer ratings, Aaron Rodgers 119.4, compared to Mitch Trubisky 92.7, Matt Stafford 83.2, Kirk Cousins 61.9. So it's also interesting to look back, I I think most sane, rational people would have said Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFC North, however you did have a couple, a couple rabid Vikings fans, and I think that's about it, outside of Maybe the one dummy about two years ago saying Mitch Trubisky is the best quarterback in the NFC North. But it's uh, it's not surprising. The, the, the biggest shakeup here would be the fact that Mitch Trubisky and Kirk Cousins have swapped places. I guess you could say and Matt Stafford swapped places because whatever. It, it's, it's Mitch Trubisky being second and Matt Stafford being as bad as he has been. Uh, looking at receiving grades, I've mentioned that uh, the Packers receivers have not been given a lot of love. As of right now, Adam Thielen is graded as the number one wide receiver. He doesn't quite have the stats Devontae does, but I think that game against uh, the Green Bay Packers, in which pretty much everything he did was gold, uh, has really propelled him. However, he followed up his 91.7 overall performance with a 67.3. Uh, he went from 110 yards and two touchdowns against the Packers to 31 yards and no touchdown. Exact same amount of targets. Oh, that was against Indy, so the... the just, I don't know, man. Cousins and Thielen just kind of got a thing against the Packers. I don't know what it is. Packers' defensive line just wrecks the Vikings, but those two have just got a real rapport. But I I fully expect Devontae to take this spot probably by the conclusion of Week 3. That's even if Devontae doesn't play because it just takes one more Adam Thielen uh, clunker for this to not work out. But Devontae does grade out as the second-best receiver. Uh, the other good receivers here, Allen Robinson, three, not surprising. Danny Amendola, four. Darnell Mooney for Chicago, number five. Javon Wims in Chicago, number six, followed by Cordero Patterson, Anthony Miller. You want to know why I don't trust the Bears? And I know the Packers have gone up against bad corners, too, but you want to look at the worst cornerback groups in all of football? It's the Lions minus all their corners and the Giants. I I, I genuinely think the Giants have the worst cornerback group in all of football. And no disrespect to Allen Robinson, but when the Chicago Bears wide receivers are all basically the best wide receivers in the NFC North, that kind of skews toward its really bad cornerback play. I'll grant you Allen Robinson's three if you want it. I'm fine with that. But Darnell Mooney? Come on, man. Come on, man. By the way, Anthony Miller uh, was one of the highest graded wide receivers in all of football. and, And for the What is this, the third year straight now? We've had Anthony Miller break out. Everybody freaks out in Chicago saying, finally, he's arrived. He's the greatest ever. He graded as probably the worst wide receiver in week two. (laughs) So after a 90 overall performance in week one, it was uh, six targets, four receptions, 76 yards and a touchdown. The stat line isn't as impressive, but apparently just carving everybody up against the, the hapless Detroit Lions. He goes up against the Giants, who are terrible three targets, zero receptions, zero yards, zero touchdowns. He had two drops on those three targets. So I, I don't think the Bears wide receivers are that good. I think they've been helped out a lot by terrible corners. And again, well, what's the difference between that and the Packers? Well, the Packers wide receivers aren't even grading out that well. They're winning with the quarterback and the running backs and the offensive line. Again, it helps, but it's, it's much more distributed. And the question is, what happens when these wide receiver grades or stats or whatever come crashing back down to earth where they belong? I mean, who knows? Maybe uh, Darnell Mooney's a freak. I, I don't know. The highest graded running back. And again, this is going to upset a lot of... Let me just do overall also, because that'll include the receiving and blocking and everything else. It's going to upset a lot of Packer fans because everybody wants Aaron Jones to be the best of the best. Sorry to report that isn't the case. However, A.J. Dillon is the highest graded running back in the NFC North followed by David Montgomery in Chicago, who's absolutely carving everybody up. Again, not great defenses, but I will say the Giants' defensive line is actually somewhat impressive. At least, of all the things we've looked at with the Bears, it's the one thing where you look at and you go, it's not that bad. And Blake is graded out as one of the best linebackers in football right now, so, um, you know, give him that much credit. Then it's Dalvin Cook, then it's Aaron Jones, then Jamal Williams, then Tyler Irvin, et cetera, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. Now, if we're looking at stats... Aaron Jones 234 yards second place is David Montgomery with 146 it's not even close obviously Aaron Jones has had more attempts than everybody else but even on a yards per attempt basis um, well actually if we do that it's Tyler Irvin number one then Alexander Madison then Aaron Jones then Adrian Peterson etc etc and that and that's kind of the, the biggest issue with yards per attempt it's a great metric as far as running backs go but it obviously again if you want to know if it's a good stat sort by that stat and then tell me if that's a really good list of running backs Tyler Irvin, Alexander Madison, Aaron Jones, and Adrian Peterson. Eh. Number of 10-plus yards carries, it's actually Adrian Peterson. Shockingly, and only 21 attempts, six of them have gone for more than 10 yards, which is unbelievable. Um, Aaron Jones will be next with five. Jamal Williams has had three on his 15 attempts, which is one in five carries, which is not bad. Even A.J. Dillon got in on the action. He had one that went for more than 10 yards on his only seven carries. Yards after contact is... uh. It's basically a Green Bay Packers stat. Yards after contact per attempt. Aaron Jones, 4.53 yards per attempt. A lot of that comes on his 75-yard scamper. Um, not surprisingly, the other guy, A.J. Dillon, is number two. 3.71 yards uh, per attempt, after contact per attempt. Then David Montgomery, then Jamal William. So three out of the top four guys after contact are Green Bay Packers. Uh, the longest carry, obviously, was Aaron Jones. The second longest was Adrian Peterson for 25, so it's not even close. Avoided tackles, um, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, and David Montgomery all have six avoided tackles. The real impressive stat here, though, is, is A.J. Dillon. Again, Aaron Jones, six avoided tackles on 37 carries. A.J. Dillon has five avoided tackles on seven carries. You want to know why he's graded so high? You have an avoided tackle basically once per carry. That's ridiculous. Um, Aaron Jones with the only listed fumble of the group. I'll be honest, I don't even remember that happening. Um, Another really amazing stat, which I, I I wonder if he's number one in the NFL. He's not. Obviously, limited carries and whatnot, but when we look at elusiveness rating, which is missed tackles force... Divided by design run attempts plus receptions times yards after contact per attempt times 100, whatever. it's it's The way they say it is, uh, elusiveness rating distills the success and impact of a runner with the ball independently of the blocking in front of him by looking at how hard he was to bring down. Just sounds like an A.J. Dillon stat, doesn't it? So right now, uh, Tyler Irvin, Ryan Nall, C.J. Hamm, Jamal Agnew all have elusiveness grades of 0. Which is somewhat expected for a guy like Tyler. He's a really... Kind of elusive as far as being really quick and, and running away from people, but he's not exactly a uh, hard-to-bring-down kind of guy. Adrian Peterson, shockingly, is the next lowest with 8.3. Then Tariq Cohen, 12.2. on Johnson, 16.4. All these guys, as you can tell, are pretty small guys, right? Jamal Williams, surprisingly, is next 7th. Uh, he has an elusiveness rating of 43. Dalvin Cook with 50. DeAndre Swift fifty three, and, and the number is sort of uh, arbitrary, but it just I just want to I want to say the number because the jump from the number two up to the number one is ridiculous. That's the only reason I'm reading it. DeAndre Swift fifty three, Alexander Madison is fourth with seventy six, uh, David Montgomery is third with an elusiveness rating of eighty four. Aaron Jones is number two with an elusiveness rating of eighty six. A.J. Dillon is number one with an elusiveness rating of two hundred and sixty five point three that is stupid so I mean you know that when you draft a guy like A.J. Dillon he's going to be hard to bring down and uh, PFF has a metric for hard to bring down and he broke the metric Um, looking at offensive line now um, overall great I'm just going to do all offensive line I'm not going to do tackle guard center but uh, offensive linemen that are graded out as good overall, starting at number 11 of them. Starting at 11, working my way up. Charles Leno with Chicago, tackle. John Runyon, guard for Green Bay. Bobby Massey, tackle for Chicago. Riley Reef, tackle for Minnesota. Rick Wagner, tackle for Green Bay, is 7th. Taylor Decker, tackle for Detroit, is 6th. Lane Taylor, guard for uh, Green Bay, obviously on IR now, unfortunately, is 5th. Brian O'Neill, tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, our first 80 overall. David Bakhtiari is third um, at a basically elite grade, 87.6. Frank Ragnow, the center for Detroit, is second at 89.1. And number one overall is Corey Lindsley with a 92.1 overall. If we look at pass blocking, this is where the Green Bay Packers shine. If we look at the top five pass blockers from five to one, it's John Runyon, Corey Lindsley, David Bakhtiari, Charles Leno with Chicago, and then Alton Jenkins, number one overall. Lucas Patrick is actually not far behind. He's tied for seventh. He has a 79.7 overall grade, which would essentially be very good. The only guys that are uh, so far pretty terrible, Drew Samia with Minnesota, Pat Elfline with Minnesota, Dakota Dozier with Minnesota, uh, James Daniels with Chicago, Ode Abushi with uh, Detroit, uh, Cody Whitehair with Chicago, Joe Dahl with Detroit. Which, I, again, I don't understand the Cody Whitehair, James Daniels things. These are guys that in their first years were phenomenal, somehow just became terrible. I don't know how that happened, but the Packers are dominant here. And then finally, run blocking. Obviously, there's less impressive run blockers than pass blockers in the NFL, because that's how it's designed. And if this was the Green Bay Packers of old, you would see pretty similar in terms of pass blocking, but there would be no Packers at the top of this run blocking list. That is not the 2020 Green Bay Packers situation. Of the guys that are 70 and above, number eight overall, Pat Elfline. Number seven, Rick Wagner. Number six, Lane Taylor. Again, unfortunately, IR, Tyrell Crosby for Detroit. Then we get up into the 80s, Brian O'Neill with Minnesota. David Bakhtiari for Green Bay. Frank Ragnow, number two overall. And the number one is Corey Lindsley with a 91.7 overall grade. So we have the best pass blocker in football at Elton Jenkins, the best run blocker in football in Corey Lindsley. I shouldn't say in football, in the NFC North. Possibly in football. I think Corey is number one in all of football. Elton Jenkins is actually the fourth highest graded pass blocker behind uh, Matt Feeler in uh, Pittsburgh, Ronnie Stanley for Baltimore, and Allie Marpet at Tam- in Tampa Bay. Looking at straight up sacks, uh, we could look at guys who haven't given any up, but that's most of the NFL. The guys that have, um, none of them are Green Bay Packers. Bobby Massey, Dakota Dozier, Cody Whitehair, Pat Alfline, Jonah Jackson, Tyrell Crosby, Drew Samia, Brian O'Neal have all given up sacks. If we look at pressures, uh, let's look at the guys who have given up zero pressures in the NFL right now. Obviously, some of these guys have not played very much, like Yash Neishman. Kudos. Um, Matt Nelson, Alex Bars. The guys that have played at least some snaps, Elton Jenkins, zero pressures. Garrett Bradbury, John Runyon, Corey Lindsley, Lane Taylor, Riley Reeve. Again, mostly Packers and a couple others sprinkled in. Mr. David Bakhtiari, um, left tackle for the Green Bay Packers, has given up one pressure this year. The Packer that has given up the most pressures is Lucas Patrick. Actually, I should say Lucas Patrick and Rick Wagner have given up two. They are tied for 13th on this list. This is just the NFC North. You've got uh, four guys that have given up five pressures, four guys that have given up four, uh, four guys that have given up three. So the Green Bay Packers, the worst of the worst, have given up two pressures this season. Neither of, neither of them have given up a single sack or hit. In fact, no Green Bay Packer has given up a single sack or hit. All of them have come down as hurries, um, either one or two hurries or zero. That's, that's the Green Bay Packers' offensive line so far, so fantastic start. Not surprisingly, when we look at their pass-blocking efficiency rankings, the Green Bay Packers are number one, followed by Detroit, Chicago, and then Minnesota. I don't really think any of that's surprising. I probably would have swapped Detroit and Chicago. Oh no, what am I talking about? I would not have done that. De- Green Bay, Detroit, then Chicago, then Minnesota. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought it would have been. Finally, looking at defense, and this is where you're going to see some different stuff. In other words, it's not going to be Packers at the top all the time. However, most of this is pretty bad. It's, again, Bears pass rushers. Otherwise, it's it's not great across the board. The only defensive lineman, the only one that is graded out even good, is Kevin Strong with Detroit. He has played 13 snaps. That's it. He's the only one. Kenny Clark is tied with, for sixth with Tyler Lancaster. He's not off to the most fantastic start, but he's only had 15 snaps. So there isn't a single defensive lineman in the NFC North, probably not very many in the NFL right now that have gotten off to a good start because the defenses in general are just getting absolutely embarrassed. And um, this is number a number one on the list right now, especially in the NFC. And we know there's good defensive linemen. Kenny is a good defensive lineman. Akeem Hicks is a good defensive lineman. He's at a 57 right now. Danny Shelton is good at at least at what he does. There, there's guys here that are going to step up. But so far, the NFC North is a joke. Pass rush, um, at least in terms of grades, it's the Chicago Bears show. Robert Quinn is a 91.5 overall grade. Khalil Mack has a 90.1. Now, we know... Zedarius and Rashawn are not doing terribly, but again, the grades are not that fantastic. PFF is not that impressed, especially when you factor in run grades. Remember, that's a part of this. Packers have been terrible at that across the board. But if we get into the most exciting part, which is pressures, sacks, and whatnot, uh, Khalil Mack leads everybody with 12 pressures, followed by Rashan Gary with 7. Then you got Romeo Okwara, Yannick Ngakwe, Zadarius Smith, Trey Flowers, and Barcavius Mingo with 5, and then from there, who cares? Sacks, Rashawn Gary, and Zedarius are the only ones with two, so that's at least exciting. Yannick, Trey, Khalil, Barcavius, and Robert Quinn all have one. Pressure percentage, which is my favorite metric. Currently, Khalil Mack is sitting at uh, about 15, 14.8, meaning he's doing wonderfully. Rashawn Gary, I mentioned, is higher than that, 15.6. Really nobody else that's all that impressive. Looking at linebackers, every single person is terrible, with the exception of Chris Barnes. (laughs) Eric Kendricks is the second highest graded linebacker. He has a 63 overall grade. Um, His run defense grade is putrid, as is just about everybody's. Chris Barnes is an 81.9. Solid run defense grade, solid tackler, solid in coverage. My man Christian Kirksey is the second lowest graded uh, linebacker of anybody. If you want to know why, uh, a couple thoughts. The linebackers with the most receptions. You have three that are tied for second place with the most receptions. Danny Trevathan, Eric Hendricks, and Roquan Smith have allowed eight receptions. Christian Kirksey has allowed 13. Uh, he has allowed the most yards behind, or uh, just in front of Danny Trevathan. So Eric Hendricks has allowed 65 yards. Danny Trevathan has allowed 122. Christian Kirksey has allowed 130 yards through the air in two games. He's also so far only one of two linebackers that has given up a touchdown. It's him and Jared Davis. So the one thing everybody told me that he was going to be able to come over and do really, really well is uh, be much more athletic, better in coverage. He is the second worst coverage linebacker ahead of just Danny Trevathan. It can change. I'm just saying y'all lied to me. Fortunately, I didn't believe any of you uh, or this would hurt, but you still lied to me and I expect an apology for that. Cornerbacks is when we can start to feel a little bit more excited. Uh, Jair and Josh Jackson are currently number one and two on this list. Jalen Johnson with Chicago is also graded out quite well, as is Justin Coleman with Detroit. After that, nobody. Yes, that includes your garbage Chicago Bears corner. I know Kyle Fuller is technically next, but he doesn't grade out all that well. And I'm tired of you guys lying about how good he is. Um, As far as really bad corners, the Packers just aren't on the list. Mike Hughes, Jeff Gladney, Desmond Trufant, Tony McRae, Holton Hill, Jeff Okuda. Again, I, I fully understand it's only Week 2 and things are going to change, but, you know, not great considering some of the names on this really bad list. Mike Hughes, Vikings fans were really excited about. Jeff Gladney was literally the one guy, the one corner for Minnesota in Week 1 that wasn't terrible, and he's already, after Week 2 disaster, One of the worst corners in the NFC North. Desmond Trufant is the one guy that I I said could make a big difference because if if Okuda can be a really good corner and Desmond Trufant doesn't completely fall off because he's decent in Atlanta, this could be a decent group. Desmond Trufant and Jeff Okuda are two of the worst cornerbacks in football right now. And then, of course, there's Holton Hill in Minnesota who's another guy that Vikings fans kind of liked. He's been terrible. Only two weeks, but it's a really bad sign so far. And finally, safeties, um, another real big shocker here, but the only guy, and he's small sample size, but the only guy that's not graded out pretty poorly is Vernon Scott. (laughs) The second highest graded safety is Will Redmond, 67.1, Vernon Scott, 80.1. But it's been pretty bad for the Green Bay Packers so far. Um, Shockingly, as bad as Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage have been, they're not the worst. Um, Guys below 60, pretty much half of the safeties in the NFL. Deshaun Gibson, Tracy Walker, Anthony Harris, guy who just got a bunch of money in Minnesota, Raven Green, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Sherrick McManus, and Will Harris, all pretty terrible grades so far. And again, nobody grades out well except Vernon Scott, and that's kind of fluky. So basically all the safeties in the NFC North. And again, it should feel good because we know there's good safeties, and none of them are playing well so far. I guess for fun, special teams, um, Packers not doing well special teams wise. The highest graded special teams player in the NFC North is Kadar Holman. He is 17th overall. We have to go all the way down to 17 to get one. Yeah, Cole Komet, Chris Boyd, Josh Metellus, Sherrick McManus, blah blah blah, 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 all the way down the list. The worst Green Bay Packers on special teams, J.K. Scott, and this this is not his punting grade. Apparently he was out there for some other stuff, which is really weird. Well, there's field goal kicking, but he had four snaps on punt coverage. I don't I guess it was his ability to tackle down the field. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But then Yash Neijman, Rick uh, Wagner were the next worst. So the Packers special teamers are all sitting at the bottom. However, when we go to field goal kicking, it's Mason Crosby and a bunch of nobody. Mason is the highest graded of anybody. Uh, Mason is four for four on field goals. Dan Bailey in Minnesota is two for two. Cairo Santos, three of four in Chicago. Matt Prater, three of five in Detroit. Matt Prater currently 0 for 2 on 50 yard kicks. Cairo Santos 0 for 1. The NFC North is 0 for 3 on 50 plus yard kicks so far. Kickoff grades, which actually is a thing, it's Mason Crosby is the number one, followed by a bunch of guys that suck. Then we have punting grades, which JK Scott is uh doing very, very well. Unfortunately, one of only two punters that's graded out higher happens to be in the NFC North. Jack Fox for Detroit is uh kind of tearing it up a little bit. He has 4.89 hang time. His longest was a 67-yard punt. His net is 51.3 yards. Just ridiculous, and I cannot wait for that to fall off because I hate him. But uh, the true greatness, the true elite punter in the NFL, the the true glorious, untouchable, golden leg, J.K. Scott is uh, second on this list and I believe third overall in punting, having a great start to the season. To give you a little perspective on his growth uh, compared to last year, his average hang time last year was 4.42. So far this year, it is 4.51. Um, his net punting yardage, 39.8, is up to 44.5. Yards per attempt, 43.9 compared to 44.5. Um, his longest, obviously, isn't quite as long, but give him time. J.K. Scott's off to a great start. So anyways, I decided to call a little bit of an audible, um, and I didn't even talk about the Thursday game, so we should probably at least look at it. Also, a big reminder, if you are in the CBS pick-and-pool, make sure you get your picks in, because this one's getting locked. So look, from from my perspective, the Jaguars have a currently better offense and defense. I've, I've talked pretty extensively about the fact that I disliked the Dolphins, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that they were wildly overrated coming into this. People were talking about how they're you know, they really like some of their moves, whatever. Terrible offensive line. No quarterback, one decent wide receiver, running back is not very good, you know, defensively what have they got? They've got like one defensive lineman, no pass rush, no linebackers. I had somebody argue with me yesterday. Oh, he says Miami has no linebackers. He must not know who Jerome Baker is. Literally one of the worst linebackers in football. Yes, I know exactly who he is. He's horrible. What are you talking? See, this Dolphins fans are so deluded. I didn't realize this. I thought they knew they were terrible, and I I know that they knew that they were terrible for a while, but something happened this year. The media got behind them. Everybody started liking them, and they they just snapped. They instantly bought into their own nonsense, and people that they apparently thought were garbage before suddenly became elite. I don't know how it happened. Bottom line, Miami is capable of winning because the Jaguars are not very good, and, um you know, when you've got uh, Fitzmagic on one side, anything's possible, but I just think the Jaguars are better on both sides of the ball, so I will be picking the Jaguars. I'll have to do a little bit more research into this to figure out exactly how I'm going to sort it on my Pick'em League. There's still plenty of time to get in if you're interested. Doesn't really matter, just for fun, and if you win the league, I'm going to extend the opportunity for you to get in on a YouTube video to make your pick. It's a lot harder for me to do videos these days, but Again, jump in on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. It'll help me get uh, one step closer to not having to work on Monday. Also, uh, I'm planning on doing my uh, live streams on Patreon as sort of a thank you to my patrons. So if you're interested in that, whether it's going to be a pregame, a halftime, or a postgame, I'm going to try right now to commit to that. Um, we'll see if anybody shows up. If not, then I'll just it'll be a one-and-done deal. But that's the plan. If it's interesting, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Otherwise, I'm going to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.